In a crisis of leadership, Moses prays for relief from his position over these stiff-necked Israelites. And God responds to Moses in a way he doesn't expect. On The Bible Brief. Tell a friend about The Bible Brief today. Your recommendation can help your friends learn the Bible in a whole new way. It's been almost a year since they arrived at the mountain. A year since they saw that terrifying display of God's presence descending on Sinai in fire, thunder, lightning, and smoke. And it's been a year of laws. The Ten Commandments were only the beginning. After that came laws on slavery, restitution, civic justice. And after that came all the instructions for the tabernacle tent where God was now dwelling among his people. But after he came into that tent, there were yet more laws. There were laws for the priests in the tabernacle, laws for sacrifices, laws for offerings, laws for purity, laws for civil disputes, laws for farming, laws for disabilities, laws for hygiene, laws for marriage, laws for national feasts and holidays, and of course, laws for Sabbaths. And in this time at the foot of the mountain, the people saw God's complete obedience requirement, as even some priests suffer an ill fate for disobeying laws around sacrifices. This corpus of laws formed a well-organized society with reverent worship and social stability that the nation had never had before. Yahweh had saved his people from their Egyptian bondage, and he had made a nation out of them here at Sinai. A nation with laws, legal processes, worship, order, and hierarchy. While they had formerly gone wild in their pagan worship of that golden calf, now they knew better. Now they would worship God through the system of priests of the tribe of Levi. Now they were ready to go to the promised land. Canaan was their goal from the beginning, and now they would finally go to the land of their forefathers. And God would lead them by that cloud he'd been leading them with ever since they left Egypt on that Passover night over a year ago. We read this in the book of Numbers, Chapter 10, verse 11. In the second year, in the second month, on the twentieth day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. The standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies. They were finally leaving Mount Sinai, and you can imagine the excitement in the camp. Probably similar to that excitement that they had had after that great deliverance when they walked on dry ground through the sea. Now with their national laws and their God-ordained order, they were headed to the Promised Land. And not only that, they were led by that tribe of Judah, that tribe through which their future king would come. But in just three days, that excitement takes an all-too-familiar turn. We read this in verse 33. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day, whenever they set out from the camp. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. 
So the name of that place was called Tabira, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. They had only been gone from Sinai for three days, and yet they complained. Despite the miraculous provision and leadership that Yahweh was providing His people, they yet complained. So what does God do? He burns up some of their provisions and resources at the outlying parts of the camp. Just as God can give, He can take away. The people had no right to complain to the God who had sustained them with all they needed since they left Egypt. And yet they did, and God responded. But that wasn't it. Soon the camp is instigated to lament and complain for the lack of what they had in Egypt. Listen to their complaints, and remember that they're apparently talking about their time in slavery. Now the Egyptian rabble that had left Egypt with the Israelites had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing? The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic? But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. These people are looking back at their awful slavery and reminiscing as if it was good times for all. Their taste buds and their bellies are ruling their hearts and minds. They forget the hardship and only remember the imagined blessings of slavery, all while chewing on miracle bread from heaven. Nearly a year at Sinai seemingly did very little to change the people's complaining mouths. Next we read that. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Now you might think that Moses is about to go through the camp and whip the people back into shape. And then he would explain how ridiculous it is that they are complaining about God's provision, and that they should be quiet and be thankful. But Moses doesn't do that. Moses actually starts complaining himself. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with me, your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth, that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child, to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once, if I find favor in your sight, that I might not see my wretchedness. Moses is distraught and exhausted with this people. And though God is with him, Moses yet speaks as if the whole people is dependent upon him instead of on God. He feels like he's carrying the weight of the nation all alone. But God, instead of rebuking Moses' words of distress, has compassion on him, and he expresses this compassion in a new way. God creates another layer of leadership that he himself empowers to help Moses bear the burden of the people. And God empowers them through the Holy Spirit. Apparently, this allowed them spiritual insight and wisdom to help lead the people in the ways that Moses had been leading them. This is what the Lord says to Moses about these new leaders and in response to the people's complaining for lack of meat. God says, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. 
and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we come out of Egypt? Soon after expressing some disbelief at the magnitude of the meat that God will provide, Moses does what God commands and speaks to the people. Next we read, Moses gathered seventy men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Seventy men are called out by Moses to come before Yahweh at the tabernacle, and soon these men have God's Spirit resting on them, causing them to prophesy. We don't exactly know what it was to prophesy or to have prophetic utterance, but in any case, it was a visible confirmation that God had put His Spirit upon these people. It's in the midst of this activity, however, that we find that two of the seventy men were missing. These men were not by the tent, they were still in the camp. And Joshua, Moses' assistant, hears what's happening with these two men in the camp. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. Joshua sees this apparent disorder as these two men didn't show up for their duty at the tent, and then they are merely in the camp prophesying. And this disorder and unexpected prophesying make Joshua tell Moses to stop them, as he apparently sees Moses losing control of the situation. It's here in the narrative, however, that Moses says something profound and impactful as we look forward in the Bible story. Something that becomes a theme later in the Bible, of which we merely get a taste of it here. Let's listen to how Moses replies to Joshua. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. We can't miss what Moses has said here. He expresses a desire that's full of foresight and understanding. He says that he wishes that all people had God's Spirit on them. If they had God's Spirit, they wouldn't need Moses. If they had God's Spirit, they would follow God's law he'd given them. God's Spirit would make everything better for the people. While this is a small statement from Moses, this theme only gains momentum as we move through the Bible story. Okay, so now that Moses has helpers, the Lord now moves to the people's craving for meat. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea, and let them fall beside the camp, about a day's journey on this side, and a day's journey on the other side, around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. 
And the people rose all that day and all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. Those who gathered the least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore the name of that place was called Kibroth Hateva, because there they buried the people who had the craving. Estimates suggest that this flock of quail that Yahweh sent the people could have been 400 square miles of birds flying close to the ground as easy prey for the Israelites. When God wants to make a point, He makes it. He can provide whatever, whenever, and complaining rather than praying won't be rewarded in the end. These people from among the Egyptian rabble began to gluttonously eat the quail that God had sent. And just as quickly as God sent the quail, He judged those who had the intense craving for their Egyptian delicacies. And the place was so named, Kibroth Hateva, a name related to the term craving. God's power has been demonstrated to this generation of Israelites in so many ways. They saw the ten plagues upon Egypt. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw the log make the bitter water sweet. They ate the manna and the quail. They drank the water from the rock. They saw the thundering presence of God atop Mount Sinai. They saw the shining face of Moses. And here, after over a year of being miraculously fed by God in the wilderness journey, they have the audacity to complain about their food. God's patience has turned to judgment, and soon his judgment will reach its zenith. Soon the nation comes to the border of Canaan, and it's there at the border that we see the most solemn judgment of all. Join us next time as spies enter the land. Some bring back good news, others bring back only dread. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023